The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Eight minutes past eight, the Treatment Action Campaign, or the TAC, and Doctors Without Borders have called for reforms to South Africa's patent laws in order to expand access to more affordable drugs. They accuse the Department of Trade and Industry of delaying patent law reform while local drug prices remain excessive. The TAC and MSF, that's Doctors Without Borders or Medicine Science Frontiers, delivered a memorandum to the DTI yesterday at the National Workshop on Intellectual Property and Public Health in Pretoria. The changes they're calling for, along with other patent law reforms, are intended to promote generic competition and increase access to more affordable medicines in South Africa. They say as long as certain companies are granted secondary patents on medicines in South Africa, generic companies risk time-consuming litigation processes that keep affordable versions of drugs away from patients. The Forum at 8 this morning we're looking at whether or not reform to South Africa's uh, patent laws will expand access to more affordable drugs. Welcome to the Forum at 8 and we say good morning and welcome to Rashi Rutter who's a senior researcher in policy communications and research for the Treatment Action Campaign. Good morning to you. Good morning. And uh, we'll also be joined in just a moment uh, at our Pretoria studios by McDonald Nechitenje, Chief Director of Policy Legislation at the Department of Trade and Industry. But first, uh, let's start with you, Ms. Rutter. What are the current laws that uh, you believe a government is not moving fast enough on? And what are the proposed amendments? Basically, in South Africa, uh, there's an excessive number of patents being granted, more than most developed and developing countries. And uh, the South African government aren't even examining these patent applications to determine if they're valid or not. Uh, this means there's like a massive lack of competitive uh, edge in the market, and it leads to artificially high prices. Um, as a member of the World Trade Organization, South Africa has to comply with an international trade agreement which sets the level of patent protection at 20 years. And uh, certain legal flexibilities were built into this agreement in 2001 in order to ensure that everyone could access the medicines they needed. And although other BRICS countries like India and Brazil have used these flexibilities to protect public health, South Africa is massively lagging behind and hasn't updated its patent law to incorporate these flexibilities. So this is why we issued the memorandum yesterday. We're really calling on the South African government to firstly set up a substantive examination system of patent applications so only true patents are granted and that they also utilize all of the flexibilities that have been built into the system legally to ensure better access to medicine. Okay, we'll, we'll look at uh, the international property policy in just a moment, but let's talk about the, the TRIPS uh, law, uh, that is the trade-related aspects of intellectual property rights that you said is the intellect, uh, international standards. What aspect of it, or should I say, what interventions are available there for countries uh, to intervene, especially governments, to ensure um, access to cheaper medications? So there's several uh, flexibilities built into that system to safeguard public health. Firstly, you can set a very strong level of what deserves a patent. So you wouldn't grant patents on things that are new formulations or new uses of drugs or new combinations. And currently, South Africa is granting uh, new uses, new forms, uh, patents. Another thing that you can do, uh, which we really need, is uh, more transparency around the pending applications. Um, and also the patents that have been granted. Um, this will basically help with uh, third parties to undergo patent opposition. So if third parties, say um, people like Doctors Without Borders or generic companies, uh, uh, do not think that that patent deserves to be granted, they can oppose that before it is and also afterwards. And if these things aren't uh, working, there's a, there's a final thing that you can do, which is called a compulsory license, which is basically overriding the patent entirely um, in terms of that you think you have a public health emergency in your country and you need to get access to that drug uh, much quicker. And are we implementing these TRIPS flexibilities? No. Our, the, the Patent Act has not been updated since these flexibilities were confirmed in 2001 and that's really what we're calling on the DTI to do, to update the Patent Act completely so that it does incorporate these legal flexibilities that it's entitled to. 
Okay, now let's look at uh, what has been proposed just with regards to the draft intellectual property policy. How how far close to what you're looking for, especially on implementation of the TRIPS policy, uh, does it come? So basically we've been in discussions for about two years to see this draft uh, intellectual property policy. Um, we heard yesterday that it, from the DTI, that it is currently before Cabinet. Um, but we need to know more about it. We want to know what measures um, they've got to implement a patent examination system, how they're going to fund it, how they envisage it working. Um, um, we, yeah, we need to know all of these things. And then we need there to be a public consultation period where um, it can go out to the country and people can comment on it. And we can really make sure it's quite pro-public health in its approach. Okay, uh, and we'll we'll look at in just a moment some of the suggestions that you made in terms of uh, what South Africa should be implementing and measures that could bring about cheaper drugs or greater access to affordable drugs. But perhaps I should also go back and ask the questions. This, these amendments that you're calling for uh, to be implemented, will they automatically, though, mean that there will be greater access to affordable drugs? Will it make drugs more affordable? Affordable because there are those who argue that you know pricing of new drugs is not done haphazardly. When you look at the pricing of goods and services in any country, um, there's a level of intervention that is allowed, but that is not necessarily panacea in ensuring cheap access to drugs or even affordable drugs. I think it would certainly make a massive difference to the affordability of medicines. Firstly, if we examine patent applications, for example, in South Africa, in one year, we granted 2,442 patents. Brazil, in a five-year period, granted less than 300. So that's a huge uh, amount more that are being protected by patents and are kept unaffordable for a longer period of time. Um, there's definitely huge price differences. We can look at a drug, take uh, linezolib, which is a, uh, a drug for extensively drug-resistant TB. Um, it's one of the only drugs really around that we can be using. In the private sector in South Africa, it costs up to 600 rand per pill for a two-year regimen, you know, and you need a pill every day, a multi-drug regimen. In India, it's uh, available for 25 rand because it's off-patent rare. So it's a massive kind of price difference that you can create by using the flexibilities. If you have a very strong kind of criteria for what deserves a patent, then you're not going to be continually giving new patents out on new formulations. And that, that gives companies, you know, extra, extra time to have that patent monopoly and not get the cheaper price. So certainly it will reduce prices a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps while we're still talking about country examples, we look at India and uh, other countries. But I'd like to start with Malaysia, which uh, some say is pretty uh, relatively close to South Africa just in terms of uh, income levels. It's a middle-income country, but it has a a relatively far more effective public health system. But studies have found, just in a review of about 48 drugs, of which 28 were considered to be part of a core list identified by the WHO, it did find, in comparison to innovative brands and generic brands, that just medication in Malaysia was expensive, even despite government interventions, um, that you know, those interventions did not necessarily lead to cheaper, uh, to affordability or even greater access to cheaper drugs. I don't know the specifics around Malaysia, but certainly if you, uh, if you implement all of the flexibilities, then you, you will certainly be able to access for a cheaper price. I don't know the, the details with Malaysia. I'm not sure if they're stuck in a, any voluntary licensing agreements that have terms which mean prices stay high. Um, but in South Africa, you know, if you look at cases like Brazil and India, um, we see that they have utilized these flexibilities and they are seeing cheaper prices coming through. So it's definitely something that we can do here. Okay, well, let's, let's look at, we'll come back to the issue of Malaysia. Perhaps uh, the DTI can just uh, talk a little bit more about it because, I, I mean, I'd get into specifics, but as you say, you haven't really seen the study. So let's come back to what we can learn from countries like uh, India, for instance. You're saying that South Africa has to ensure that at the examination stage of patents uh, only Grants of patents on new drugs are given to prevent abusive patenting. Does India do that? And has there been evidence that 
it, it, it increases access to generic drugs. And we know that India is pretty much at the forefront of manufacturing and uh, selling of uh, generic drugs. Yeah, so in India, um, they have a section in their patent act called Section 3D, and this means that only the newest drugs can gain a patent. And there was a big case recently, uh, which was kind of a landmark decision uh, with Novartis and Imatinib, which is a cancer drug. Um, and Imatinib, uh, Novartis was trying to get a secondary patent on a different formulation of it. And it went all the way through the court system up to the Supreme Court. And eventually, they found that it didn't deserve a patent. And 3D was correct, and it was upheld in India for being uh, the right thing to do. And now, uh, they're, you know, they're I can't remember the exact numbers, but they're, they're receiving imatinib in India for much, much lower costs uh, than uh, they would be if it was under patent. And even in, um, you know, we're having the same problem with imatinib in South Africa. Um, they, Novartis went for a secondary patent on imatinib. Uh, the original patent expired in April this year. Um, and so it was going to be delayed for a much longer period of time until we could get a generic version here. It's only changed now because one generic company kind of sought litigation um, and wanted to bring the drug in generically. Um, but even with this, uh, it's the only generic company who's able to do that. It's still uh, patented uh, and not uh, available for other generic companies. And, and so this generic company is still charging 91% more than they are charging mm. in India. So, the price yeah. of generic medication, I, I believe, is what's generally 46% cheaper than uh, compound drugs. Is that correct? Yes. But, but that, that's the specific example with the mm -hmm. uh, Well, let's look at that. But, but uh, World Health Organization study, in fact, does say that generally generic drugs are about 46 or 48 percent uh, cheaper. But I want to look at the imaginable example in South Africa. There was litigation, an out-of-court settlement with CIPLA uh, that meant that they came to an agreement of sorts. But their complaints that that out-of-court settlements, you know, the details thereof are not available. So... I mean, we might be joining, I mean, we might be blaming to some extent a company like Novartis, but what about those companies that get into agreements with these companies for uh, additional patents? Absolutely. This is a massive problem as well. Um, there might be a generic uh, entry into the market, but there's not true competition. Uh, we talk about there needing to be at least five okay. down to its lowest level. Um, and so, yeah, this is this is a problem as well because it hasn't. We, you know, the secondary patent is still there, and we're not going to get as cheap as we could get. Right, we'll return and continue our conversation with Lottie Rutter, Senior Researcher in Policy Communications and Research for the Treatment Action Campaign. Uh, hopefully we will be joined now by McDonald Nechutenje, Chief Director of Policy Legislation at the Department of Trade and Industry at our Pretoria studios, 22 minutes past 8. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Give us a call on 0891 The question we're asking is whether or not reforms to South Africa's patent laws will help expand, or rather will expand access to more affordable drugs. And uh, we're in conversation with Rati Rata, Senior Researcher in Policy, Communications and Research for the Treatment Action Campaign. I believe we're now joined by McDonald Nechitenja, Chief Director of uh, Policy Legislation at the Department of of, uh, trade and industry. A very good morning to you, Mr. Tanger, and thank you very much for joining us. Morning to you and uh, to the listeners. Now, we've uh, just been speaking to Lati Rata here. I, I, there's an echo in the background. I'm hoping that uh, that will be attended to uh, by technical producers there. But they're complaining that, for instance, that there's a delay in the draft intellectual property policy which could achieve us being able to ensure greater access to affordable medicines but also cheaper drugs on the market. No, thanks. Uh, uh, actually, we may claim that uh, there is no delay in a sense that for the past five years, 
this policy has been a draft policy has been debated in the public domain with targeted stakeholders uh, as we may know that there are very strong stakeholders uh, that lobby and then uh, now the policy is before cabinet for approval for a public consultation say for three months or so and thereafter say March next year we start with the drafting of the different legislation since we are not concentrating only in the area of patents it's patents, copyright, designs and trademark so therefore it is falling, uh, 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 going according to plan and then maybe if I may mention is that uh, all the patent flexibilities that people are talking about they are incorporated so it's a matter of stakeholders to debate and then let's allow cabinet to approve it for public consultation and we take the matter from there. Yeah. Well, if we talk about flexibility, <coughs> one of the things that she was saying was, for instance, that um, some of those flexibilities that are built into the trade-related aspects, intellectual property rights uh, set by uh, the WTO are, are not being implemented in South Africa. Your response to that, and if that is the case, why? Yes, as we said, we are overhauling the whole intellectual property uh, regime. So those issues of 2001, the public uh, health decisions by the WTO will be incorporated in, in, in the uh, pending uh, drafts. Mm. So yeah. Mr. Neshutanjo, as you said, they were affirmed in 2001. Countries like Brazil and uh, India are already using those pro-public safeguards. Why is South Africa lagging behind? Yes, it was just a matter of technicality that we over-consult over in South Africa. Maybe that is our weakness. So, so now we are saying they are in the draft, and then let's wait for, public, uh, for the cabinet to do its duty, and then it will be in the public domain. <coughs> Other countries generally, they hardly consult, but here we overly consult. That is our weakness maybe. So, if it's still within the consultation process, when do we expect the law to come into effect if those amendments are approved? Yes, uh, the law may come into effect uh, de yeah, depending on the new, uh, in the new cabinet because uh, we are going for elections. Uh, in March 31st, as an example, uh, we will be done with public consultation, the policy will be in place. So that policy will have to inform the various bills, including the patents bill, amendment bill, and therefore uh, uh, we will have to consult again on the bill. Uh, that's a constitutional issue. And then we go to cabinet, it approves uh, for public consultation, we go back and then it approves for parliamentary debate. Uh, we may have the act maybe September, October next year. So, would you agree that uh, these amendments will bring about greater access to affordable mm. medicines and cheaper medicines? Yeah, in a way, because, I mean, uh, a minister, former Minister of Health, Nkosa uh, Zana uh, Zuma, then, 1999, she implemented one of the aspects. This is a, a, a pronged approach. One of the aspects was parallel importation, that if a company A is selling... Uh, uh, very cheaply in Zambia, as an example, the same drug for TB in, in South Africa it is selling, say, 200 per dose, and then we can parallelly import from Zambia. That is already implemented in the health legislation. We need to put it in the Patents Act. And then there is a BOLA provision. Uh, BOLA provisions deals with the issue of allowing researchers to research on an active patents without infringing so that when it expires then there is this issue of uh, bringing the product into the public market. There is also the issue, it is already in our act and then there is also the issue of uh, evergreening. We want to deal with that by establishing uh, substantive search and examination and then it may take some time but it will have to be there. We also have expropriation <clears throat> intellectual property is a property like land so we can expropriate it in terms of the section 4 I think of the patents act but there should be compensation there should be compulsory licensing there should also 
be compulsory licensing in terms of the WTO regime. So and the competition because of generic uh, medicines entering. We'll, we'll so come to some of those in just a moment, but let's talk about evergreening because uh, uh, the, the treatment action campaign and MSF are saying that part of the problem is that South Africa hands out an excessive number of pharmaceutical patents and uh, without examining patent applications to determine their validity. Yes. Yeah, so maybe it will be better to clear the, the atmosphere to say uh, the issue of depository system and then a substantive search and examination uh, are two systems that are used worldwide. So it is not peculiar only for South Africa to have a depository system without examination. So we want to move to substantive search and examination. People should appreciate that we are moving from a weaker patent regime to a stronger one. They should appreciate that. Would you agree that South Africa hands out more than most developed and developing countries? Yes, South Africa, because it has got a depository, not only South Africa. Many countries that are using depository system are doing the same. The validity, if it is in, 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 in at issue, you go and prove it to court, and the courts are not accessible. Again, those weaknesses we know. That's why we are moving to a stronger patent uh, regime. Okay. So we'll, we'll ex- examine in just a moment what a stronger patent regime means to you and what it would mean uh, to these lobby groups, the Treatment Action Campaign and, and MSF. We will take calls as well on 891 Send us SMSs on 34701. We're asking whether or not reforms to South Africa's patent laws will expand access to more affordable drugs or cheaper drugs. So 8.30, news headlines now with Carmen Reddy. Thanks, Tiffy. So... Angela Goldashanti's Executive Vice President Global Strategy and Business Development, Charles Carter, says the 25% drop in the gold price globally has been a huge hit on the business. This comes as Angela Goldashanti has announced that it will cut 2,000 management jobs in a move to reduce costs. The ANC has congratulated the DA for its win in yesterday's by-elections. In a statement, the party says while it is disappointed in the outcome of the results in the Bergrafir and Ochoan, it is satisfied with the overall performance performance and in the democratic process led by the IEC. And the weather services says some parts of the country, including Durban, Cape Town and Johannesburg, are expected to experience extreme cold weather conditions over the next few days starting from today. The weather service says an icy cold front has already moved to Cape Town. These are more stories at 9. Traffic on SAFM. Well, a couple of big problems even at this hour this morning. Coming into Joburg off the N3 is heavy. It's going to take about 30 to 40 minutes to get off the N3 through the Held Mace Interchange and onto the M2. There's a stationary bus at Cleveland uh, blocking a lane, and that's uh, been there all morning. That's primarily what's causing it. Uh, maybe a better idea is uh, a run-up through Bedfordview on the N3 north and off at uh, Galilis in through Broomer and Kensington. That way, also, if you're southbound, uh, delays start just after Galilis into Held Mace. So same sort of thing off at Galulis, reroute R24 past Eastgate, Broome, Kensington Way. Heavy traffic on the N1. If you're coming into uh, Joburg this morning through Krasmia, uh, just expect heavy delays and uh, long queues. There's uh, problems with traffic lights on Ravonia Road at Eton in Sandhurst. Ravonia Road's horribly backed up uh, from sort of Oxford Road in Rosebank. So use the mic one uh, to access Sandton this morning and stay off that run up through Ilovo if possible. It's uh, horribly backed up. And road closures in Protea South this morning uh, because the protest action on the main road, Chris Harney, closed between Chawello and the N12 highway. If you desperately need to get into Protea South, not advisable, but if you desperately need, you can go in on the Impala Road side uh, from the uh, Dobsonville side, if you like. Uh, across in Durban, overturned vehicle accident this morning, N2, southbound after Mgany Road. Uh, big delays both ways, southbound queuing up from Queen Nundy Drive, N2 queuing from as far back as Spaghetti Junction. Uh, Cape Town, the N1, pretty decent run in this morning, uh, despite a bit of rain around Cape Town. Not a patch on what it was yesterday, a little bit sluggish just through sort of Monte Vista towards the N7, but uh, generally it's flowing quite nice. The N2 flowing fine. Uh, there's collision on the N7 Vanguard Drive, intersection of Clipfontaine Road. Motorists coming out of Mitchell's Plain this morning can expect delays. And two overturned trucks this morning, one near Montrose Services between Harry Smith and Funrenan's Pass on the N3, disrupting things both ways, and another truck overturning on the holiday route, the N2 between Neisner and George in that section between Sedgefield and Wilderness. There's also roadworks right through until about the end of the year on that section of the N2, plus the overturned 
track, so additional uh, hold-ups this morning. Rob Byrne, AM Live, Traffic Watch. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thank you very much, uh, Rob. We're taking your calls on 891 We're looking at whether or not reforms to South Africa's patent laws will expand access to more affordable drugs or will lead to cheaper drugs. McDonald Neshutenje, Chief Director of Policy Legislation at the Department of Trade and Industry, is in our Pretoria studios. And uh, Lottie Rutter, Senior Researcher in Policy, Communications and Research for the Treatment Action Campaign, is also in conversation with us. So you can join us on 891 104208. We're also taking your SMSs. SMS hotline is at 34701. Two rand per SMS, it'll constitute chat to us via Twitter. Our Twitter handle at AMLive on SAFM. That's one word, at AMLive on SAFM. Now, just uh, to, before we take the callers uh, in straight view, Dorong will be with you in just a moment. But uh, you were talking about uh, stronger uh, patent laws, uh, Mr. Nichitenja, but uh, will it mean fewer secondary patents are granted? Yes, of course. Uh, uh, when the, we have this substantive search and examination, various scientists in various disciplines, uh, like health, uh, metallurgy, uh, will be able to really to, to come with stronger ones in so much that if there is no innovation by the pharmaceutical companies, the patents will be rejected and therefore the generics will be able to carry on and do their work and then therefore affordable medicines will be at our disposal. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, just, uh, Lati Reto, you were saying that part of the problem is the issue of transparency, that there is a need to enhance public transparency of patents office uh, concerning the pending patent applications and the status of granted patents. So in the amendments that are being proposed, have you seen that? Are you happy with the amendments in general? The, the noises that are being made um, for, you know, moving forward with, um, you know, to prevent evergreening and uh, it broadening terms for compulsory licensing. So the right things are definitely being said. I guess from our perspective, it's, um, well, there's two separate issues. One is on the examination system. Um, what, 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 what's the hesitation in moving forward with that, that now? It's already within Section 34 of the Patents Act that we should have a substantive examination system. Um, you know, WTO, WHO, and World Intellectual Property Office yesterday saying that we should move forward with it. Um, even Adams and Adams, a big law firm representing big pharmaceutical companies, doesn't oppose it. So why are we hesitating on moving forward with an examination system? Um, that's one of my key questions. Um, and, uh, and then just a bit more about, like, how, you know, how is it actually going to work? Well, have we got the funds in? Um, will there be a conditional grant that's ring-fenced for it? Mm-hmm. Those, kind, those are the kind of questions we have of the DTI. Mr. Nechitenja, would you like to respond to that? Yeah, I think in simple terms, one may say uh, all these things need to be followed by building capacity. As we were, we were in the depository, <coughs> sorry, we were in the depository system and now moving to the examination. Yes, it is true that some of the aspects are in the Patents Act as stands, but we need to build the relevant capacity. And then during the public debates, therefore, that the stakeholders will also have to advise, like using the, the parastatals of government. They got, got very good scientists that can be roped in. So that's, that is the comment as for now. Okay, we'll be speaking to uh, the scientists in just a moment. Professor Owen Dean uh, is going to join us in just a moment. Dorong and Spritview has been on the line for just a, for quite a while. Dorong, you say pharmaceutical companies can be manipulated. Is that what you're Ab- saying? Absolutely. It's a pity, you know. Maybe your other guest uh, from TAC is, is, is she's bad, and then yourself, because you have been a journalist over there dealing with the same issues. But about the methodology, candy, I don't know, I doubt it, because, I mean, even if uh, we can have the patent and the copyright, still majority of the pharmaceutical companies is America, because it's Pfizer, it's Glasgow Welcome, it's Ron Paul McLeod, it's Bichamps, and various others. And I want to tell you, Tepiso, that the CEO of Pfizer, per annum, is earning almost the GDP of South Africa. That's one. 
And then two, the, our old, our departments are working in silos here. We've got the DTI, we've got the Department of Health, and then they don't know these guys that, you know, these uh, pharmaceutical companies, they've got the capability to build their own NGOs on the ground and even support their own campaign in favor of them. They've got the power to force government to pass certain policies which are in favor of them. And then the very same patent you are talking about, I mean, it is, it is an extract of the bigger um, a treaty, which is called Trade-Related uh, Intellectual Property Rights, which is a treaty of the WTO, and 140 countries are the signatory to this treaty. South Africa is also the signatory. And also, I do not want to expose what happened during the Nelson Mandela administration, because they almost sued Nelson Mandela. This thing was swept under the carpet, especially around the issue of the ARV. And many people died because they were pro, uh, procrastinating as a piece of, because one tablet was 80 rand, 90 rand, while many people were dying. And I don't think we've got capable people. The people we send out there to Geneva to go and listen on our behalf, the people who go to WTO, they, I don't know whether they are going to holiday or what, because they don't seem to come back with the feedback here to tell us what they have learned what is it that we can do as a country? They go out there for Malaysia and come back here and to be arrogant okay. to us. Yeah. Right. Thanks a lot, Dorong. Dorong, thank you very much. And uh, let's say good morning to Professor Owen Dean Anton, Mossad Chair of Intellectual Property Law at the University of Stellenbosch. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us, Professor. I suppose part of what uh, Dorong is saying is some of what you agree with, just with regards to the examination system, that it's very unlikely uh, that should it be introduced here, uh, the applications themselves would be denied if they are, for instance, accepted in countries like the United States. Yeah, good morning. Um, I've sort of come in midway through this discussion, so I can only really comment on on what I've heard so far. But, I mean, in principle, an examination system is is far better than a deposit system because it it does filter out um, uh, applications which are are not valid or which would not give rise to valid patents. And most of the of the developed countries in the world have examination systems, and so you know I'm not going to argue against an examination system um, in principle. But the difficulty is that um, you need a very wide uh, body of expertise amongst the examiners who can give meaningful examination to patent applications. I mean, patent applications are exceedingly complex, technical, scientific documents. And to to properly evaluate a patent, you have to have a very specialized technical knowledge of the subject matter. Now, in the United States, for instance, which probably has the biggest patent office in the world, they have something like three or 400 patent examiners who are, who are very specialized in, in their own particular areas. Now, I don't know where we are going to get these specialized examiners from. And um, the problem is that um, if you... You can't be half pregnant, and so you can't you can't half examine an application. If you're not going to examine it properly, then it's better not to examine it at all. Mm-hmm. And um, I foresee that we're going to have great practical problems in setting up an examination system. Moreover, if if the objective of setting up an examination system is to prevent um, excessive patents being granted in the pharmaceutical field then I think you're barking up the wrong tree because um, uh, most of the, uh, of the patent uh, applications for pharmaceutical products filed in South Africa come from overseas, uh, from countries like America, Europe, Japan, and so forth. Now, these um, applications that are filed in South Africa are extensions of patents which are filed in, in, in the home countries. In the home countries, they are examined by these highly skilled examiners. Now, it's very unlikely that a, 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 a patent application which passes muster in the United States or in Europe, in other words, is found by the examiners to be uh, properly novel and properly inventive, uh, is going to be refused in South Africa. So, um, because the laws are almost the same, so um, it's 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 you're not going to prevent 
um, excessive patents being uh, being filed by means of an examination system. That that is the only point I want to make. Mm-hmm. And I'll get Mr. Nishitenjo to answer in just a moment. But I, I was saying to uh, Ms. Russia just now that part Ms. Russia just now that part of the problem is that uh, the issue of pricing. There's a lot of things that go into it. But what I want to ask you is that. Do we do our research and development work properly in, in looking at these various factors before we grant uh, patent licenses uh, to various drug companies about whether or not uh, the, the drug is unique, whether or not the competition, uh, there is compet- it will allow competition and whether or not it will save lives at a greater level than other drugs that are in existence? All of these uh, that's not part of our patent process, process at all. I mean, we have what is called a deposit system, and what happens is that you, uh, you, you prepare a patent application uh, as long as it meets formal requirements. Uh, in other words, it's, uh, you know, it's the forms are filled in correctly and signed in the right place and that sort of thing, and the documents appear to be um, in order, uh, a patent is granted. Now, there is no value judgment brought to bear uh, in, the, in, in that process as to whether it is a valid patent or not. Um, the crunch comes when someday someone wants to enforce that patent, and then the whole issue of, of whether it is a valid patent is gone into very thoroughly. And uh, uh, an examination probably in, in, in excess of anything that any patent office does is brought to bear on, on, on whether it is truly a valid invention. But um, uh, this means that uh, theoretically one could get uh, a patent for a, a totally uh, obvious and, and non-inventive drug. Uh, the, the problem is uh, that the, um, the patent wouldn't be worth the paper, the paper it's printed on. So that is the downside of our present deposit system. But it, 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 it has worked reasonably well in, 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 in practice because um, very few, uh, most people who are responsible patent applicants will do their own research. Um, patent attorneys will even conduct a search in the United States, for instance, mm-hmm. to see whether the, the patent is truly valid before filing it in South Africa. So mm-hmm. I don't believe that there is a, a lot of abuse as far as registering of patents is concerned. Things like pricing and so forth are, are actually a, a separate issue, um, and, and there, of course, there is a uh, there is recourse to the the, the Competition uh, Commission. Uh, the, the Competition Act trumps the Patent Act in insofar as as uh, utilising a patent can give rise to anti-competitive um, uh, behaviour, and uh, there is also the facility for for um, uh, compulsory licences to be granted under the Patent All Act. Right. So, the, uh, Mr. Nechitensha, would you like to respond for that? And while you do that, I'm going to ask for calls on 0891-104-208. The callers uh, can just uh, you know, join in on the conversation. No, thanks. Uh, uh, morning to Dr. Dean. And then uh, uh, my response is in regard to this issue of uh, strong patents, that whatever has been approved in the U.S. as an example, or Europe, uh, will necessarily have to, to be... A valid patent in South Africa. That is not necessarily true. India, as an example, uh, recently it has denied uh, denied a lot of patents that have been uh, granted in the U.S. Meaning, therefore, a young country like young in a sense of developing, a young country like India, established its substantive search and examination office, and then it is rejecting a lot of patents that are granted in those ju- jurisdictions that we mentioned. And then, yes, it is a matter of capacity. We need to build capacity, but South Africa, we know that uh, we are strong in certain areas, such as uh, 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 metallurgy, as an example, organic chemistry and the like. So incrementally, we can build an office that uh, in, two, in, in five years to ten years can be uh, also the be a, an examination office that is worthy of mentioning in the world uh, a patent regime. Ms. Rutter, just to come back to you, one of the th- issues that we really haven't come down to is just how pricing affects 
whether doctors prescribe a medication and how patients themselves get to buy the drugs, whether they are subsidized by government hospitals, whether or not they get them directly from private pharmacies, etc. So in, in all of these reforms that we are talking about, ultimately how will this play itself out? As we heard Professor Dean saying, just even if we change systems, part of the problem will not be solved. But what we are ultimately looking at here is whether or not it will lead to cheaper medicines or greater access to affordable medicines. Well, I, I don't think... Sorry. Yeah, Ms. Uh, Prof, I was asking Ms. Rutter, and we'll come back to you in just a moment. Okay. Um, yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, if you do not allow second, you know, multiple patents on drugs, then you're going to see generic entries quicker into the market, and ultimately that leads to cheaper prices. Um, you know, the, the way we've been doing it at the minute is on a very case-by-case basis using the Competition Act thing. We can't continue to go on that kind of case-by-case basis. We need a system that uh, kind of incorporates everything into one. And uh, bringing up compulsory licensing, yes, it might be there in the law, but it, it hasn't been used. It's too complex a system at the moment. It's expensive, and you have to go through courts, and, you know, it's a process that isn't easy to use, and so we haven't issued any. Um, so we definitely do need a big reform of the system, and it will affect patients. Mm. Um, you can take the example of, you know, ARVs, people living with HIV. We're going to see a, a change in what drugs people need as people are moving on to second and third lines. And these are far more expensive regimens. Like, you know, we can get a standard first line for maybe 100 and 1,300 grand per person per year. But it, it, it's... It's much more um, for, for third lines. Uh, we need to get these prices down. Otherwise, there's going to be a serious health issue um, and rising healthcare costs when people get onto needing those drugs. Professor Dean, perhaps to just make an example, I believe that uh, there's a drug called Solaris by Alexion, and uh, it's a highly expensive drugs, but, drug, but you find medical aides that are willing to pay for it, or even uh, governments like in the UK because of its hef- efficacy uh, in the long-term run in terms of the amount of money it will save the healthcare system. But uh, it goes back to the question that I was asking. All of these reforms, will they ultimately uh, deal with some of these issues, whether or not drugs are more affordable and whether or not people are willing to pay for them? Whether you have a a drug that is very expensive but more effective, um, and you have doctors sometimes not willing to prescribe certain drugs because of how cheap it is, thinking that it's of an inferior quality. Well... Yeah, I come back to my point that that um, pricing of drugs, etc., is, is is a problem and it is an issue. But I don't believe that uh, introducing a patent examination system is really going to make any impact on that at all. Because um, the, the point is, does our law allow a particular invention to be patented or not? A particular drug to be patented? Now. That is a question which is to some extent influenced by examination because um, the examination will tell you at an early stage that it's, that whether the, the, the patent is valid or not. But it doesn't affect what what is patentable. And um, the you know Mr. Netjutenzi makes the point that um, it may happen that our patent office, if it has an examining system, will refuse patents which have been granted elsewhere. Well, that's very unlikely in, insofar as patents emanate from um, the United States or, 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 or Europe because our law is very closely based on the European law. So um, the law at the end of the day determines what can be patented and what can't be patented. Uh, the examination system is simply a, a way of, of assessing whether the law is being complied with or not. Um, now, I don't know whether the policy document is contemplating any changes to the law as such. Um, if it is, well, then that may shed a different light on the matter. Um, but I don't believe that simply introducing an examination system is going to make any material impact on, on the pricing of drugs. Uh, and Mr. Nechutenja, I think you want to mm. respond? Yes. Uh, let me first by saying that the issue of pricing is handled by the Department of Health. 
but uh, the DTI also participate in, the, in those issues. Therefore, we agree that we must work in a coordinated manner. The generics, again, they are allowed to enter into the market now. They were treated as if they are counterfeited or adulterated medicines. Now that everybody knows, and then I think it's compulsory for the doctors to tell the patient to say, do you know that there is a cheaper version of what the doctor has said, uh, has prescribed? So because of consumer uh, right awareness, we will see that uh, everybody is kept in line to dance according to the tune of uh, pricing, generics, and the patent reform, and uh, uh, the, the Department of Health Reform. So the two departments and any other departments will have to work as one government. Mm -hmm. So the issue of generics also needs to be benchmarked because we may be saying that they are cheaper, whereas our generics, I'm just giving an example, our generics may be very expensive compared to other jurisdictions. So therefore the issue of benchmarking and competition act must be applied vigorously. We may find that these systems, not only a, a, a substantive session examination will be a panacea, but it must be applied with other policies of government. Oh eight nine one one oh four two oh eight anonymous on the line from Durban. You say government needs to check uh, applicants before granting them patents. Hi. Hi, anonymous. Good morning. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I'm always listening to SSM. I'm in the medical field. I deal with pharmaceuticals. I actually sell them. I want the call or the the speakers to understand that government needs to take a stronger approach before accepting any application from generic companies. I'll tell you why. Because in the next five to ten years, there will be no antibiotics that are going to be responding to any bacteria in this country. Because there's no proper checking uh, of the applications. Um, they don't go and check to see whether these antibiotics are uh, therapeutic enough. We've done trials and we've seen trials that 80% of these uh, generic antibiotics are sub-therapeutic. And doesn't mean it's cheaper, it's going to work. So I, I disagree with the, with, the, with the person that said government doesn't need to worry about processes and checking of these, they are all okay. You cannot tell me that you're going to uh, approve something you're going to put into your body, into a human being's body, without checking whether it actually, doing the scientific test to check whether it actually works mm. properly. This is people's lives. Thanks, the cost, Yeah, the cost of, of uh, treatment that doesn't work is far more, is right. far more greater. Thanks, yeah. Anonymous. Henry in Cape Town. Good morning, man. Good morning. I think this whole uh, patent law needs to be overall because they are mostly unfair. Uh, there was a case in the state last week where uh, some Apple's products were not allowed to be imported in the U.S. because uh, Samsung had patent over them. And the American government overruled that and then allowed Samsung, I mean Apple, to import products that were patented by, uh, by Samsung. So you see, it depends... Uh, which government is more powerful and who can say what and what. So I think that the South African government needs to stand on behalf of the South African people. Take mm -hmm. medication that are cheaper for the interests of the country. We had a case in India where the cancer medication was 3,000 US dollar per dose. Now it costs less than 100 US dollar per dose, that, that, that cancer medication that uh, your, your panelist is speaking about. Mm -hmm. So we've got to make sure that we have the interests of the people first at heart before we, uh, we give too much to these uh, multinationals that come just to make money and let people die for nothing. Thanks, uh, Henry. Two SMSs. Rex says, why don't you have one registration for drugs worldwide? Is a duplication of registration uh, tracked itself? And uh, Mariana says, just because Malaysia drugs are expensive, it does not make it okay. It just means someone is breaking mm -hmm. in the bucks. Mariana, the point we were talking, I was making really, is about the issue of uh, the patent reform laws, whether or not that will lead to cheaper drugs, even in a, a government-funded health system, it's been found to be difficult to afford. I mean, if, if somebody is paying uh, Professor Dean uh, something like uh, three days' wages for a month's supply of a drug or even 26 days' worth of wages, there is a problem there. How can we undercut this ultimately? Well, um you know, I've already previously mentioned that issues of pricing and so forth are really uh, matters of competition. 
there is a competition uh, commission to which one can address those sorts of problems. Um, patenting doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the price. Admittedly, it does give the um, the, um, the patentee the monopoly to, to sell that particular product. But um, his pricing may be determined by all sorts of other things. And as I say, there is a competition commission which can look at the pricing structure and say this is anti-competitive and, and, and overrule it. I just want to make one other point, though, and that is one of the callers spoke about um, drugs being registered that, that, are, that are inefficient, that actually don't work. That is not a patenting issue. That is the registration with the Drug Control Council. Now, you mustn't confuse registration of a patent, namely the invention involved in the drug, with the registration of the drug with the drug uh, control uh, bodies who, whose job it is to make sure that the, the drugs are not going to cause harm and that they actually do work and that sort of thing. That's a totally separate issue. Okay. The other thing is that um, the generics actually fell fall outside the patent system. A generic is a, com com a drug which competes with a patented drug, um, either because the, uh, the particular drug is not patented in South Africa, no. or alternatively the patent has already expired, which means that um, uh, other, other manufacturers are free to, to, to manufacture the exact product. Right, so Professor Dean, we're going to have to leave it there. The pricing there. of generics has absolutely nothing to do with, uh, with patents. Professor Owen Dean, Anton Mosser, Chair of Intellectual Property Law at the University of Stellenbosch. If I could just ask my two guests to just uh, give us about 30 seconds worth of their final statement. We'll start with you, Lottie Rutter. Yeah, I just think uh, we're not just looking for a substantive examination system. We want all the things that go with it. We want to strengthen the criteria of what deserves a patent. We need the transparency around uh, what's being pending and what's being granted. We need to oppose, be able to oppose, and we need to be able to issue compulsory licenses. I think if we have all of these things, it would definitely lead to a reduction in prices, and that's what we're calling for from the Department right. of Trade and Industry and from the Department of Health. Thank you very much, Lottie Rutter, Senior Research and Policy Communications and Research for the Treatment Action Campaign. And finally, we go to Mr. McDonald, Nature Tenger, Chief Director of Policy Legislation at the Department of Trade and Industry. Your 30 seconds. No, thanks. Uh, uh, my contribution is to say that the policy will be in, out in the public domain. All stakeholders should vehemently uh, argue, and then the decision lies with Cabinet to say what is good for the country. Pricing is interrelated, and the generics is also interrelated to the law of patents, if you can state it clearly, and therefore uh, these systems should talk to each other. The law of competition uh, probably should be strengthened in the, its application. Well, thank you very much. And uh, a minute past nine uh, after your nine o'clock news time, but uh, we'll update your news now with Carmel Ready.